Season three, episode two, we're back. We're officially, officially back though, because this time I can look into that camera. I can look into that camera, and I can even look into this camera right here. Meaning that we are back into school, and we have the cameras back. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Holland College. Thank you to everyone who made this possible, including yeah. Hunter's Alehouse. We'll get to him later, <laughs> as we always do. Bring up a surprise little transition there. But, let's bring it to the NHL. Yeah, first... Where Justin's being selfish. Yeah, first and only news in the NHL today, because we have a big, big conversation to be had in the NFL is my beloved Montreal Canadiens named the team's 31st captain in franchise history Nick Suzuki the 23 year old drafted by Vegas traded in the Max Pacioretty trade to Montreal and we all know how that turned out pretty damn good what well, do you for mean? you yeah, yeah for us for yeah. you guys yeah for, for hockey the, fans that's for the Golden Knights <laughs> and Pacioretty <laughs> He did okay in Vegas. Like, he was one per game. His first couple of years were real productive. Not too so, bad, but, but look, now looking at it. <laughs> here's what I'll say about your Canadians and this captaincy and this player. Too young. It's just... The Is Montreal he the right captaincy. player, Yes. But you, you don't make that move this year. We were talking about this before the episode. This is a four-assistant captain here. You just don't have a player of this caliber who's this age go right to the captaincy from the A this quick. I just, Marty St. Louis, he's a great coach, but favoring the young this early, this year, I don't know. Might be the new NHL, though. A lot of young captains out there. Yeah. Just a Brady Kachuk kind of Ottawa scenario right there trying to maybe... Induces confidence a little more in the franchise. Get him excited for the years of rebuilding to come. McDavid was named a young captain. That's McDavid, though. (laughs) Same. about young players, though. McDavid's the new Jonathan Taves. He's captain serious. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Sure. But you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I don't have a problem with being Nick Suzuki being named captain when he's young. I, I really don't. I think he's the right person to be named captain. Um, I don't think there's anyone better, and yeah. I I agree with Judah Grant there. I think it's a four A's kind of year. I'm pretty sure it was more so just he's one of the guys who's been there for a few years now. As you said, he's probably the best offensive player they have right now until Cole Caulfield keeps growing a bit. Or Slavkovsky. Or Slavkovsky, but I think it's more so just a... Or Doc performance. Or Doc, yeah. I, I just see it coming as they're going through a long rebuild looking at it right now. There's no way this is a speedy recovery for the Montreal Canadiens. And I can see that maybe it's just a way to kind of entice Nick Suzuki into staying for most of his career, to have a bit more confidence in going through a rebuild like this, even though he's still young. And it's just a way to have kind of like a leader maybe installed a little bit in the locker room there to kind of lead them through this rebuild and have that one voice who people know that if this kid can handle it, it's going to... If this kid can handle it, it's going to look really good on Marty St. Louis and the Habs. If he can't handle it and the rebuild gets the best of him, it's going to turn the other way and it's going to drag them through the mud of this. He's underneath contract for the next seven years. I'm not really worried. Six or seven years. I'm not really worried about him wanting to leave right now. Not wanting to leave. I just think if the rebuild takes a bit of a heavier toll than what's expected on the kid now that he's a captain... He might just get morale 
will go down in the locker room, or I'll go down in him, that him versus play a bit. Like, this, mm-hmm. it's either, it's a low-risk, high-reward scenario, which has been kind of the theme this NHL offseason. Yeah. You were talking about the history of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And, obviously, with the original six team, for them to have, what did you say, 31, 32 captains? This is their 31st captain 31st in franchise captain. history. That is very few captains for what I thought a history Considering how long they've been around. Exactly. Yeah. That deep would have. So you have to treat this sea with a lot of respect. Big yeah. time. A lot of honor. Probably the most in the NHL. Probably. Most, most, cup, uh, most cups for any franchise in NHL history. Like I, Montreal just, Canadiens. I just mean like probably, the, this is probably the most decorated sea in all of the, the NHL. With the names that have worn it, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then you look at so what Nick Suzuki said. One of his big comments today was, uh, "When you get asked to be the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, what are you gonna say?" Exactly. Obviously, yes. So yeah. with a player this young, and an NHL that's very young, I don't know how long he's gonna be in Montreal. Not how long he's gonna be in the NHL, but how long he's gonna be in Montreal. I would say he's looking to be a lifer. If I'm being completely honest. Or until the next Montreal rebuild. Once they get into this one, eventually well, we'll have be, years like going to the next I one. I would say it's going to be like Jonathan Tays. How many more years does he have in his contract? Six or seven. I'm not under He signed his big extension last year. I think yeah. it was for eight years or seven years. So it's either six they, or seven right now. The Habs knew what they were doing here. But as I said, it was a low-risk, high-reward. They're locking up. Not only do they have them locked up in contract, but with the C, that adds much more than a contract almost. Like, well, yes, they, you're locked up under contract, but I'm wearing sure. that C is going to... Impre- like not make him want to move, not make people want to get him moved. But even this years down the road, probably means Brendan Gallagher is on the way out. Gonzo, yeah. No, I hate seeing him get shafted like this again. I don't really think it's getting shafted. Like I, I really don't. Like, not the biggest one of the NHL offseason, no. But it's still like, how much has he done for that organization, that city? And it's just kind of like you basically know now that like Gallagher's Gallagher's he's a role player. He always has been. He hasn't been like a superstar, I wouldn't say. He's been what we needed. He's been a be. fan favorite. Yeah. 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 I, I would just say the only other option would be to save that city and see how these rookies come up from this year. Yeah, Slavoski so and, and Caulfield and um, Suzuki on a line together. That's going to be interesting. Or whoever plays with Doc will be very interesting to see. Locked up yeah. for another four years as well there. Yeah, so like... They're they're building a future. I I'm just yeah. They're building a future. That's what I can leave it at. It's the young Canadians. Moving now. into what is probably the biggest topic of this past weekend. Is the, the NFL, NFL is back, baby. Oh, it's back and it's back in a big <laughs> Think way. Someone's excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even though his team yet. hasn't even played yet, they yeah. play in three well, hours. Here we are recording this on a Monday in Broncos country. Let's ride. Would have tied for the second longest field goal in NFL history. Yeah, okay. You had to get that in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I told you no, and you just went for the yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we can just dive right in. I, we, all three of us personally have some winners and some losers that we want to talk to you about from this past weekend. My biggest winners of the weekend, and this may surprise you, the Browns. Not because the Browns are spectacular or anything, but because you won without Baker against Baker. Yeah. 
That's why they're winners from this weekend. They're in my win list, too. The Bills, because they look like a Super Bowl winning team after week one. I'm not going to deny it. Like, they, they are a Super Bowl favorite in my eyes. Yeah. And the Bears. The Bears are a winner from this weekend. The bad news Bears. The Bears are a the winner rainbow. from this weekend because, <laughs> listen to this. The slip and slide. <laughs> First half stats, zero points. Four punts, 19 total passing yards. Justin Fields was held to a passer rating of 2.8. Somehow, you win the game 19-10. to 10. Honestly... I think it's the field. <laughs> not mm-hmm. Justin Fields. Oh, I mean, it was... Because Lord knows he did not leave much of anything in Chicago. No. It was a rain. But yeah, that water bowl, whew, that was fun to watch. Oh, it was fun to watch. Fun to be a Bears fan for. Yeah. And, oh my goodness, I was not expecting that in the slightest. No, no, no. Blame it on the conditions. Blame it on anything you want. But when you boil it down and reduce it all the way, and I mean all the way down, mm-hmm. and then boil it some more, the Bears won week one. Yeah. Trey Lance also wasn't that impressive okay, either so, in his own so right. So in my biggest losers of the weekend, in my eyes, I know you guys have different opinions, mm-hmm. the Bengals, the Bengals were the biggest loser, someone, one of the biggest losers, because they looked like a Super Bowl hangover team, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl. I get that. But they still looked like a Super Bowl hangover team. And I'm, has, just, yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to interrupt you right there. Bengals were not a loser this week. They weren't a winner, but they weren't a loser. But they had the chance to make a, like a, make a big statement there by coming out hard and week one against the, the Steelers that are changing The positive is Joe Burrow threw four interceptions and had a fumble. So five total turnovers. And they only lost the game by three in overtime. Yeah. That is the positive from this weekend. Yeah. You have so much that you can tune up and improve upon from this weekend that I think the Bengals will be fine. I just think they're a loser from this weekend. But, and then my other two losers from the weekend are the Packers because you left Aaron Rodgers out to drive this, dry this offseason. So what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. You're like, right. like what? What did you seriously was gonna expect? Like, did you think he was gonna make these guys into superstars? Mm. No. And my bit other loser is the Falcons because you yeah. blew another fourth quarter, big fourth quarter lead. Yeah. This time, a sixteen point lead with eleven thirty five left in the fourth quarter cool. against the New Orleans Saints. Well, if you have the birds money line on the Saints, <laughs> congratulations. I'll like, say that. What? I, they just keep on doing it. I don't know how they keep on doing it, but they keep on doing it. So, yeah. Falcons never lose. Is that the end of your list? I have one other thing. The biggest winner of the weekend and the biggest loser. The biggest loser, in my opinion, is the 49ers. Because you are last season in the <laughs> NFC Championship game with a chance to win the game with Jimmy G as your quarterback. This year, you decide Jimmy G is no longer good enough to be your quarterback, and Trey Lance has surpassed him. And keep him on the practice squad, too, instead you of getting trade him. out of it. So, my biggest thing is you, should, you don't let Jimmy G play, and instead Trey Lance is your new starter, 
and Trey Lance puts up 10 points and loses to the Chicago Bears, Bears, who are probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. What the hell is wrong with San Francisco? Biggest winner of the week? Jimmy G. (laughs) (laughs) And here's why. He's going to Dallas by week three. By week three? San Francisco already said they're not letting go. I would assume that... They got a couple wrong. Would Dallas want... He's going to need them. Like, they're going to... I would say they might give this guy... I forget who, who is it, Colton Rush or... Technically, they don't even have Colton Rush. Like, like... Through... The Cowboys. Technically speaking, through yeah. a contract loophole, they don't have Cooper Rush. So... But that's what it's going to be. So I would imagine they're going to let him try and start one week. Yeah. See how that goes. If he does good, sure. But he won't. I'm sure Jimmy G will be a Dallas Cowboy by week three. That's my opinion. I'm not going yeah. off of sources. I, I, I'm just... It's a Justin Hot take. I'm just straight up saying Jimmy... Like, where, like, what else makes sense for Jimmy G to go right now? Like, why would San Francisco, if they don't want Jimmy G to play, why would they not just trade him to Dallas? And why would Jimmy G let them let him just sit there? And if Jimmy G, if they said, we want you to play again, if I'm Jimmy G, I don't want to play for the San Francisco 49ers again because the franchise just turned their back on you. Yeah. Fair enough. With Debo. Yeah. Yeah. So. Who is an awesome connection? I mean, maybe maybe you guys think I'm crazy by that prediction that he could end up in Dallas by week three. I kind of like it. Not gonna lie, I kinda like I would love to see that. I I do like your list. I do have a couple flip flop things for a couple different reasons. But my main problem is with the Bengals. I'm gonna loop back there. The reason Kansas City lost to the Bengals is because Kansas City is one half team. Whether that's the first half, the second half, second quarter, third quarter, first quarter, fourth <laughs> quarter, but it is a combination of two quarters of football that we play incredibly well. And the other two quarters are very poor. And to be frank, I didn't see that this week. I saw a steamrolling of the Cardinals, which I love to see. (laughs) But the Bengals are not that team. Mm -hmm. They're not that guy. (laughs) They go four quarters, and that's what they did. They didn't have the scoring production that they usually have in those four quarters, but they went all four quarters. Also, we have to mention that T. Higgins got a concussion halfway through the game. Or... First quarter, somewhere along Jamar the line. Chase still proved to be like the number one guy, though. It's basically if, so, if Joe Burrow and him are seeing each other right. Yeah, yeah I just, I'm guy. just saying like yeah. he, they did lose T. Higgins, so I will mention that it as is well. A big loss. That is yeah. a big loss for the Bengals. That's losing Sammy Watkins when you have Tyree Kill. <laughs> Tyler Boyd will have yeah. to step up. Yeah, he was the third. Like, I. That's that was my whole thing with the Bengals is I think you had a chance to make a big game one statement, big week one statement. You're coming out heavy, and even though their O line did get better, I still like Joe Burrow's not getting picked off four times, still getting sacked like that, and your O line's completely repaired. I think trade deadline they're still focusing on. It's like the Toronto Maple Leafs with their defense and their goaltending. The Bengals mm-hmm. need to look at their O line a little bit more, protect Joe Burrow because if Joe Burrow has the right protection. Like I said, if him and Jamar Chase are clicking, Higgins comes back, Boyd steps up in a big way, I think the Bengals could be Super Bowl bound again. That is a very likely possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's my winners and losers of the week. And I think it's going to start off a bit odd. Dak Prescott, hold up. Let me explain. Winner. 
Because he gets a six-week vacation from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I don't even think it's from the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think it's like... I don't think it's that. I think it's the Dallas Cowboys fans that like he gets a six weeks vacation from. Another yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs comparison there. Yeah. The whole organization and that fan base is toxic as could be. Throwing garbage in week one. So Very ruthless. If you let them break you down. Congratulations on your vacation. You've won an all-expenses trip paid to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Another winner, my Chiefs. But... Not just the Chiefs, the city of Kansas City. I think we were all kind of biting our fingernails through this offseason after the Tyreek Hill news, and we were really nervous about facing an NFC team who now kind of matched up with us. Defensively, it's rookies, no names, and veteran leaders who are just kind of falling off now on both sides. Mm -hmm. And an offense led by a quick, shifty quarterback with a semi-quasi-receiving core. Yeah. And we've never seen this team, so we didn't know what to expect. But So, winner, city of Kansas City. The barbecue devoured in that city. <laughs> Speaking of, that, uh, I, I, the offense that you're talking about, you know, who didn't have a receiving touchdown week one? Juju. He did have six receptions, I will give him that. <laughs> 79 yards. But I don't know the biggest player of the week was obviously Patty Mahomes. The yeah. guy is still a throwing god. Fantasy is goaded. 30 for 39, <laughs> 360 yards through the air, yeah. and five touchdowns. We set up our fantasy league to be very fun in scoring for QBs. And that's what it was. 55 points is what he scored in our league yeah. for fantasy points. Ooh. So if you have Patrick Mahomes on fantasy, Congratulations. You're also a winner. You're not on my list, but you're a winner. His tosses were insane. Did you see that underhand one? Yeah. Right through the gut. If the question is, did you see a Patrick Mahomes pass to me? The answer is yes. Yes. Did you see a Patty Mahomes highlight this weekend? The answer is yes, because it was all over your feed. Yes. (laughs) Every other TikTok was Patrick Mahomes. Every other Snap story was Patrick Mahomes. Not his brother? Crazy. (laughs) Other winner of the week, Bills. Just Mm -hmm. to come out there against the... Defending Super Bowl champion. We always hear about Super Bowl hangovers, but... I don't think it really was. Like, the Rams didn't play terribly. There's obviously some stuff they can clean up, but... Cooper Cup played amazingly. Matthew Stafford, not a bad quarterback, actually. When he's not wearing a Detroit blue, he's a really good quarterback. (laughs) Yep. So, Bill's winner. Now, to go to the loser side of the board, Jimmy G... Why is Jimmy G your loser? He still has a collar on him, and he still hasn't been signed by Dallas after the news. I think, yes, news and trades but take a bit of time. This is, this is why he's a winner for me, because Trey Lance just proved that I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy G proved that I can take you to an NFC Championship, a Super Bowl, and then you guys are going to throw me under the water? Like, come on. That's why that's why yeah. he's a winner to me. I think all that is just compiling into just bad thoughts in that guy's head. And bad juju. I shouldn't have said bad juju nah. as a Kansas City fan, but <laughs> bad mojo as a quarterback, it goes a long way and in the wrong direction. And I don't know if Jimmy G's gonna pull out of that. If he goes to Dallas, I think he could do some great things there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he will. I, it, it seems feasible. Dallas is but the most logical option now that Dak Prescott's gone. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. 
but I don't know. I do not know where Jimmy G will be at come week five. I'll say that. My other loser, Panthers. Just, you got Baker Mayfield and you couldn't beat the Browns. You grabbed all of the Browns, Mojo, and then you still couldn't beat them. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) They got Baker, and they decided that we're just going to turn into a pass-first option. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, who do we have in the backfield? Christian McGaffrey. Oh, we aren't going to use him that much. (laughs) Why not? We're not going to use him. (laughs) Baker Mayfield throwing the ball now. Like, Baker can throw the ball. No doubt. But you have Christian McCaffrey. Come on. Like, just, just come on. Run the ball. Run the ball. (laughs) Run the ball. Let him get injured in week two and then go throw (laughs) the ball. (laughs) But run the ball week one all you can and use him up. I, I didn't draft him in fantasy for that very reason, so yeah, let him run. <laughs> Have at it. I don't know who did grab him in our league, Justin, but uh, I, I think feel bad it, for I him. think it was uh, Thomas, the guy I'm playing there, was a matchup against this weekend, yeah. and I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, especially after that. <laughs> yeah. Considering I had uh, Cam Akers, yeah, I'm pretty devastated there. Zero point zero points. No. And that brings me to my last regular loser of the week, the Rams. Mm-hmm. Defending Super Bowl champion. How do you not pull it off? The Bills are a great team. I won't lie. But, I mean, come on. They're the Bills, and you're the Rams. How do you lose that bad? There was a reason it was the week one Thursday night football game. Yeah. Two games went into overtime this week, and it wasn't that game. And that's what I'm most confused about. Anyway, my biggest winner of the week, I think this comes as no surprise to anyone who's an avid listener of the show, but the Chicago Bears. <laughs> to pull it off in the water bowl against the 49ers. Yeah. That penguin slide at the end. Yeah, what a celebration, right? too. That's I, just, I, I, did you see the video, too, of the, one of their big O-line guys? Yeah, going O-line. In, in case you didn't know, Bears won. Hey, Bears won today, in case you didn't hear <laughs> <laughs> Bears are gonna go one seventeen or one yeah one seventeen one sixteen sorry one sixteen. Barstool Big Cat, if you're watching this, let's just share Chicago down together over Zoom. <laughs> let's just get it over with. Like, let's celebrate. We have something to be happy about. You called this as a loss. You called this as a loss. I did too. <laughs> I mean, let's you're playing happy. the 49ers. Like you thought they were gonna be good, but yeah. apparently yeah. they're not. And that is my biggest loser of the week. The yeah. San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we're, we're right on track with that. Yeah, I, right. I think that's the biggest topic around not just this show, but the whole NFL, is how do you go and drop Jimmy G, not drop him, but put him on the bench and lose that game with that much confidence and not bring him up at all. And only score 10 points. Yeah. He's not even on the practice squad. He's over at some side field throwing balls out of a passing To himself. Machine. To himself, yeah, basically. To trainers. Yep. Three trainers who just decided, oh, I'll put on some gloves. Trey Lance went 13 for 28, 164 yards in the air, and one interception. He also had 13 carries for 54 yards. Not much. Not much. Not Not much much to talk. Not much to talk about there. Can I just add a cool throne to this segment here? Yeah. A cool seat. I'm on the cool throne. You want to know why? What? Because I had some sticky ribs from Factory. Mm. Oh, man. That's my favorite dish there. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You know what else I love about the factory in Hunter's Corner? Uh, what is it? Oh, they got the big screens and the big games. Oh my god, we got a big screen behind us. We do, and it's not even turned on. Oh my <laughs> technical god. issues. We're back, but we're not back, back, yeah, back. We'll figure that technical <laughs> issue out yeah. next week. We'll get something to put up there. I'm thinking SpongeBob. <laughs> Taylor wants to throw a hockey game up. I have no nerve to tell him it's September. But, anyway, get on down to Hunter's Corner, folks. They got all the locations, all the meals, all the deals. They've got three screens on this one. Wow. Hey, baby. Hey, oh, man. my God. They got three yeah. screens just like we had three screens. Oh, man. They got more than three screens. Yeah, and they got more money, too. That's why they're sponsoring us. So, thank you to Hunter's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, how do you feel about this week? So, I got three winners. That's the same as you guys. Number one, I got the New York Giants. Okay, that's that's a fair one. Big week one upset. That is very fair. Taking down the Tennessee Titans. It might have only been by one point. But Ryan Tannehill and the Titans are sitting backseat in week one. Yeah. And also, I just want to reinstate the fact that kickers either make or break an organization once again right now. He was not the most underwhelming player in the Titans, though. No? No. Robert Woods was, by far. By far. Oh, yeah. So, and I know you're hurting because of your fantasy team. Because you oh, yeah. Robert Woods. Yeah. But Robert Woods was the most underwhelming player on the team. Luckily, I got him on my bench this week. But moving on. <laughs> moving on. Who did you have other? My second winner of the week, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Deshaun Watson suspended for 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, now in blue and black. Yeah. And this kid comes up and puts on a fairly decent show. He had a few long bombs. I'd just like to say uh, where Jacoby Brissett came from. Originally, Where? the Patriots. Uh, yeah, then he was traded to the Colts. Then he, I think, is now with the Browns. No, but uh, but I watched that game. Yeah, he was great all game long, right up until the very end. Whenever it was also once again kickers who decided the game. Yeah, but it was a great game by both. More so Baker in the second half, he came up a little bit. But Brissett was solid throughout the whole thing. He had the Cleveland offense pumped yeah. up, and I thought it was just a really good show. I would argue the only thing is he's got two wonderful running backs by himself. Yeah, Kareem Hunt was insane and that game. Nick yeah. Chubb was really good, too. Crispy Kareem, Kareem Donuts. Crispy Kareem Donuts. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the next Eddie Lacy. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my final winner of the week that we talked about earlier, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think your post-Ben Roethlisberger era, era, you're coming up big with a week one W over a former Super Bowl appearing team in the in the Bengals. And a game I just with a heavy cost, though. A game with a heavy cost, but <laughs> but Trubisky actually looked really solid in the yellow and black. Hey. Mike Tomlin's was kissing the ground after the game. I think Mike, the Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's a better coach than any coach than Mitch, yeah. Mitchell Trubisky ever. Mike had. Tomlin cheats, and we all know it. Oh, <laughs> so. I'm still not over that sideline. Uh, they're, I mean, they're my third winner for a reason, but I still think the Steelers deserve a bit of credit there. Are they going to win against the Patriots next week? I don't think so, because if TJ Watt's gone, they're done. And if uh, Mac Jones is gone? Mac Jones is not gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, yeah. at, he's not. Anyway, just anyway. Report, I can pull it up right now. <laughs> Reported by Adam Scheffner and Ian Rappaport. Those two don't lie. And no. those two do not lie. And, and Mac Jones was thousand percent better today. Alright, well, okay, we'll give you a benefit of the doubt, but still, they're going to score more than seven points this week coming up. Yeah, so are they in your biggest losers of the week? No, my uh, my losers for this week are the Carolina Panthers offense and Baker Mayfield. 
Because, my God, was there any more team more dormant in the first half than the Carolina Panthers? I'm with you there. Their their defense looked not too bad, but the offense was just sleeper city. The fans said nothing to chant about. Baker looked like he was completely lost. They said Baker knew the offense inside and out before this game coming up. Did he have a touchdown in the first half? Maybe they need to put a film study clause in his like Just to let you guys know, here, quick update, breaking news. Um, TJ Watt will get a second and third medical Heard that, yeah. um, thing. Opinion. Opinion. Jinx. And <laughs> it's looking like he's most likely going to need surgery, um, which means his season will be over. Um, if he doesn't need surgery, then he will most likely be back in six weeks. What was his specific injury again? Do it was his pectoral muscle. And scans yeah. on... The quarterback, Mac Jones, came back normal. The injury is not thought to be serious, but the team will still monitor and gauge the situation and okay. how Jones is feeling. So maybe have a chance week he, two. No, he felt he, like there was some... I, uh, Ian Rapport put out there was some report of back spasms that was happening yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so well, yeah. Ask any bodybuilder. I've never torn a peck because I don't have any. But <laughs> ask any bodybuilder who does have one, tearing a pec is one of the most painful things you can ever do. Well, that's he was. You could see he was yeah. in some discomfort. Yeah. yeah, but the yeah. Anyway, the the Carolina Panthers offense in Mayfield there, totally sleeper city. They're gonna need to fix some things up right quick there. Two, my second loser, Aaron Rodgers, because with the with the way his receiving core looks right now, I said this on Twitter. Tim and friends retweeted me. Check it out. But uh, yeah, they're gonna have Aaron Rodgers in the nursing home. Before the end of the season, yeah, because maybe those shrooms were a good thing. But I don't think <laughs> that makes Aaron Rodgers a loser. I think he's a loser because of the situation the Packers have put him. I think that makes the Packers organization a loser. Packers is a loser here. Aaron Rodgers is just an innocent bystander. Is yeah. losing too though. You got it. Yeah, well, you saw the, the receiving guard. He had a wide open guy, touchdown city, oh, and Buddy let it slip right through his fingers. I know. I'm, saying, Rogers, I'm saying it's not on yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Not on Rogers. So I don't think no, it's, on it's Aaron no, it's not on Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's I think oh, maybe a, a loser long, by association, yeah, but he's still that's losing. Exact, that's exactly what he is. He's yeah, a loser by association. I'll give you that. Yeah, but he is dragged into this by an awful organization. Yeah, just like yeah. you said. And uh, final loser, regular loser of the week. We talked about it earlier again. Dallas Cowboy fans. Because not only do they still yet to have any good football, they lose Dak for six to eight weeks. Apparently they didn't want Dak. So. Well, apparently, well, Dallas, it's Dallas. It's Texas. They want football. They want good football. And they've been without that for quite some time. They want every season to be 17-0. and And they lost last season on a very bad play. So they were kind of hopeful for week one. Hey, and what did they do? Tied, so there's a win for the state of Texas. The state of Texas, Dallas, they just want good football. That's all they want in Texas. Mm-hmm. And Dallas is yet to provide any of that. And the Cowboys scored the second fewest points in franchise history for a season opening game with three in the total game. The, re- the current record is zero. And that season they went 1-15. So Cowboys fans, I'm sorry, but Texas Cowboys fans, Houston, whoever you're with, get the tissues out. You're the New York Mets. Of football, Houston tied against the Colts, and that's a win for the state. That's that's a that's a win for Houston. <laughs> give it to give it to Houston. All right, biggest winner of the week, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. After coming, agree. after how many injuries, comes back. 
164 yards he rushed. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. Honestly, he's a winner for not getting injured. Yeah. He's a winner for not getting injured, and he's a winner. Chris McCaffrey every week. Yeah, that's an automatic dub. <laughs> and he's a winner for rushing 164 yards. He, yeah. he, he outrushed. The... He outrushed Derrick Henry. Well, he out. He damn right he outrushed Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had 92 rushing yards. And uh, yeah, so Saquon Barkley, a big winner there for this week, as well as the Giants. And uh, Brian Devil, their head coach. Did you see those moves in the locker room after that big win there? He was feeling it. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, was feeling, feeling it. it. He was feeling it. Okay. And uh, finally, I'll wrap it up real quick with this. My biggest loser for the week, tailgate tables in Buffalo. Because, my golly, are they going to be in for a heck of a season. Yeah. Yeah. That's sure. Point. Sure. Yeah. We got a folding table just off camera here. And even as a Chiefs fan, I'm tempted to go through it after beating the Rams. <laughs> Anyway. After beating the Rams, you beat the Cardinals. Yeah. No, after the Bills beat the Rams. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I thought you meant, like, as a Chiefs fan, I'm tempted yeah. to go through. And I'm very aware <laughs> when we beat the Cardinals. On the way back from St. Effects, <laughs> okay. I was looking at that score and update. Okay. And, all that. and one final quick thought. Kickers continue to make or break the NFL. They're either the biggest snag or the biggest headache for a franchise. Look at that Steelers-Bengals game. This is four the third chances. Time. This is the third time he said this. Yeah, Watch. four chances. We're going to update this with Week 2 news because we're not just going to go off kickers for one week. we got to see like, you know, no, but a clear-cut a couple games, I would say. Yeah, but to, what to a... really give... A, general consensus on what the kickers are That was a crazy OT though. McPherson after being a stud, misses two. Boswell hits a post. Anyway, we'll kick this on over to Sean Fisher, new coach of the UPI women's hockey team, coming at you right now. As promised, after our four-second break, we're back with Sean Fisher, new coach. Sean, good to have you on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, new head coach, you. new position here at UPEI. How's it feel coming in your first year? Uh, it's been good. It's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, it was uh, it was a long process to kind of get it done, uh, and then once it kind of got finalized, then now it's been just like so. It's been. Um, yeah, I'm still like it. Still, kind of hasn't sunk in exactly that you know we're gonna be playing games here that mean something in, in like less than a month. Less than a month, exactly. So, but I don't know. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get after it. The people of Charlottetown have been amazing, and you know the whole campus and the community mm-hmm. and the island have been you know fantastic and like welcoming me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great so far. So yeah. we'll dive into UPI a little bit later. Sure. What we'll first do is go back to your roots and Grant. I, I know you yeah. been the one to ask them. Your humble beginnings here sure. with <laughs> the Sudbury Wolves, AAA Bantam. That was yeah. your first coaching gig. Yeah. What What was going through your head going to coaching? Um. Well, let me start off with this. You did you play beforehand? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I played some. A little bit of junior back closer to Kingston, Ontario, but um, yeah, when I was in when I when I was in Sudbury, I was just trying to, you know, figure out the assignment, class schedule, uh, <laughs> tournament schedule, how that all balanced. That was kind of my own way of being a student athlete mm-hmm. then. So, um, so it's minor hockey. You gotta know what time you gotta be at the rink for. Yeah, who's it, was, the it was that, <laughs> and it was like I mean, you're in Northern Ontario, like you have like. You're not quite on an island, but geographically, it's almost an island because you're like a long ways. You know, you're mm-hmm. Timmins, you're Sault Ste. Marie, you're 
um, North Bay, like Capus Casing, like these places are long trips and in the snow in, in, uh, in the middle of winter, that's, uh, yeah, just getting my bearings straight on logistics <laughs> was, was, was tough and trying to be a somewhat half decent student too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you do make that move into coaching. What was that transition like? Um, it was kind of, I mean, that, like, like coaching, teaching, instructing was always kind of like my summer job, like through high school and, and then into university. So it was kind of actually, it was a natural fit. I mean, I'm kind of a rink rat in, in a lot of ways, like being, you know, uh, around the room and around the athletes and on the ice. And that's just kind of my comfort area. So it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty natural. I think, you know, making the transition from my very average playing career to, to coaching. Yeah. yeah, and then you make move up in levels to midget with Nickel City. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I mean, again, it was like good athletes and high expectations, and um, you know, we had we had players on some of those teams that you know played games in the NHL and, and things like that. So they were they were they, they were good good teams. The majority of that Bantam uh, Sudbury team uh, ended up uh, winning the Telus Cup just uh, a year later, uh, really? which is which is a pretty uh, big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Nickel City. That was that was fun. You're out uh, out in uh, Chelmsford and um, those late nights, but uh, yeah. that team that team was a lot of fun. It puts uh, you know when you're having to dedicate that much time like around your school when it's it's like strictly volunteer basis, mm-hmm. um, and you're not really quite sure what the end game is going to be, and you're 19, 20, 21 years old. It's uh, you know kind of it was. It was important for me. It laid, laid a good foundation for, for mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at now. So, yeah. so yeah. you were there for 10 years. I'm sure there's got to be a few highlights from those long road trips from there. Jeez, <laughs> um, I mean, we had buses break down and, you know, like staying in like, you know, the lodgings, um, you know, when you're oh, traveling yeah. through some of those mining towns that you're having to stay over, like those are, those aren't exactly, you know, five-star resorts, <laughs> right, that you're staying at, yeah. so, yeah, there's some, some nights with, like, you know, you weren't sure or not, like, the heater was going to work, and you were going <laughs> to, you know, uh, make it through the night, actually, um, but, uh, yeah, no, there was, uh, the tournaments down south were always fun with, with those groups, with, with Sudbury and, and Nickel City, you, you get the, you get the kids out of the mining town, and you get them down to, get them down to Toronto and, and Ottawa for these, for these big tournaments, and we always showed really well out there, right, you know, you have a lot of OHL and NHL scouts at those events, and mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you got these like said, just these kids from from up in northern Ontario, and, and oh, yeah. get them down there, and when they show well, that's uh, that was always. Uh, it's almost like it doesn't matter where they're from. It's like if you got the pride, the passion for the game, absolutely, you show it. Just go play. After your time there, or at the end of your time there, did you feel like you had like kind of taken the role as far as you could possibly go there, and it was time for a new chapter? Or? Um, I probably just needed to grow up. Right, I mean, you're, you know, you're. I was still a kid myself in a lot of ways, like like coaching kids. So I needed, I needed like a, a year or two, and needed to, you know, kind of find my own path, which was heading heading out west and and whatnot. Uh, but I mean, I'm still, I still am in touch with a number of those those athletes that I coached um, during those years. Uh, one's actually going to do some recruiting for us in in Quebec, uh, which is really cool, right? Yeah, it's mean, a great thing about hockey. Is that's that the goal. Yeah, I mean, you like hockey is it connects people, um, and it's uh, you know just being our national pastime. It's um, 
it's the, the game's been really good to me and it's been it's been good to me because of the people that I've met you know and the, the fact that you know you're still in touch with people like 15 years later is like you know that's it's, a good sign yeah right yeah. Yeah. so you do take that leap you grow up as you say and <laughs> you bit. go to the prairies <laughs> a little bit yeah. <laughs> you go to the prairies for Winnipeg and then two years later you said you go to the University of Manitoba and start the coaching game yeah yeah I mean I, I moved out there to to coach in like kind of in a uh, in the private sector, mm-hmm. um, and then my my phone rang uh, in the in the spring of 2014, and um, I got to got an opportunity to kind of start working with the the women's program in in, in Manitoba, and we had some really good teams and some really good years. And so my biggest question is: first off, going from men's to women's, what was the biggest difference right off the bat to you, like that you knew? Oh god, I gotta adjust to this like right now. More well behaved, maybe. <laughs> um, yes and no. It probably would surprise you a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think originally I thought I was gonna have to completely change how I coached, mm-hmm. coaching a different gender. But honestly, at our level, at the sports level, women's athletes really just want to be treated like the guys for the most part, right? So I actually didn't have to change a whole lot. Right. I, I grew as a coach and I probably went way too far into like the art of coaching early on where I was probably just yelling and screaming and trying to get players to play the way I wanted them to that way and that just isn't really me and I probably went too far the other way um, but I think I've kind of found middle ground and, and you know when it comes to you know the gender thing like I think the female players just want to be treated like the guys mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah. so um yeah, that's kind of what I try and do. I would personally totally agree with that. And I think that you're on the right roll with what you just decided to do as a coach. Um, so at the University of Manitoba, you had some great teams, like you said, some great outcomes. What would be a couple highlights from it, and if you had to pick a couple from your time there? I mean, we won a national championship, which that's pretty cool. Um, so... I would be remiss not to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Winnipeg is a hockey town, um, hockey city, but it's a hockey it's a hockey town that doesn't win very often, right? So we won; it was a big deal, right? It's like you know, the Jets had us on the ice uh, for a game to honor us. Um, you know, the the mayor and the premier handing out you know special recognition medals and awards and things like that that they haven't since, and and you know, it was it was a big deal. Uh, that was a fun summer, mm-hmm. um, but we, um, yeah, I mean that getting to get back to nationals uh, when I was the interim head in 2019 here in Charlottetown, that was that was pretty cool. And we we came we came pretty close again that year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really it's really hard to win one. It's incredibly hard to to win it the the next year, and we actually came close in a lot of ways. Um, we did it. We did training camp one year in in Europe, which. With, um, with the team with the team, yeah, yeah. So we wow. spent we spent two weeks in um, in Finland, Sweden, uh, which was which was really cool. Um, so was that like something like the school had like planned, or was that just we planned it? We planned it. We 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 fundraised uh, a lot of it. Was um, it like training camp in a way, but then also there was some time for going explore Finland. There was a lot of time for going explore Finland. <laughs> there was a lot of time for going exploring Stockholm. Um, yeah. We took the ferry overnight from Helsinki to Stockholm, which mm-hmm. is like a cruise ship, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was it was half training camp, half 
life experience, right? So you get some of those girls from the prairies off the farm and, you know, that might be the only time they ever get to Europe, right? So it was, you know, life experience along with hockey. Not only that, now thinking about it, there are a lot of pro leagues over there for women. So the pro leagues over there, they obviously are expanding. They're becoming bigger and bigger. So it's leading for more women after you sports to go over and play this over there. I know that... UPEI themselves had two players go over there this past year, mm-hmm. um, Camille Sugar and Sophie Vandell. So, I mean, it must have been just cool in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it was it was eye opening for our athletes. Uh, you know, just to, to see what what could the be future, beyond yeah. what, what what the future holds uh, or, or could hold. Um, yeah, the, I mean, what's. I think five ten years ago, there were there were so few players that were like aware of the opportunities and aware of, of, of what was out there, that now actually these European teams are becoming uh, so choosy uh, with who their what who their imports are. Yeah. Uh, so like you actually have to come now uh, today with like to these European clubs. Hey, here's my resume. This is what I accomplished. This is what I this is what I played. It's it's not just good enough anymore to be oh I'm Canadian. Okay, you can be on the team. Like it's like you actually have to come with like a resume. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, similar to like what it is for for, for yeah, men's players, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, the, the the Swedish league is really good. Uh, you know, the uh, we we played Jurgarden, uh, which is you know, uh, in the in the globe in Stockholm, which is pretty cool uh, to play at that facility and uh, played. Um, Couple teams in Finland, um, which you know, was again an awesome, awesome experience. To play Espo in, in in Finland, so yeah, yeah, it was a it was a fun trip and, and eye opening for for a few players. And some of those players have now just are finishing up their careers. Um, one just finished three years with Moto, uh, and one just finished her third year with SDE just outside Stockholm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what's humorous to me is through University of Manitoba your coaching time there, you got a taste of both of your next coaching jobs and you chose both. Yeah. You got Europe and you got That's the guy when you came here for the championship. Four too. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what was it like coming here now and going to Europe? We'll get to Europe. We'll get to PEI here later, but yeah, going to Europe after coaching there and doing your training camp. Well, completely different. I mean, like, you know, the Scandinavian countries versus Central yes. Europe. You're in a very different part. <laughs> very different place, right? Uh, but, you know, as far as the level of competition, um, really good. I mean, the um, that European Women's Hockey League is uh, a growing league, a strong league. Um, you know, most of our athletes were uh, Austrian national team players, Hungarian national team players. Um, I mean, some really good imports players from California and Wisconsin and Toronto and uh, so we were we were now, really competitive team. Did you have some Olympians on your teams? Then you mean kind of? Yeah, I mean wow. there there's a few Austrians that had um, you know certainly world championship experience, and I believe the one was in uh, a couple are old enough they played in they played in Nagano. Uh, so there are some you know there's some there's still some really quality players uh, in those in those countries. Uh, I think Austria is a. Um, it's not a it's not a rise of power. That's not probably the right word to say, but uh, it's a country that's on the rise in women's hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, their their group of um, like U eighteen U sixteen players are really quite strong. They actually just um, uh, qualified for for the top division, uh, winning the uh, the world championship uh, just yesterday, I believe. So wow. uh, Austrian women's hockey is kind of on the rise in certain ways. So yeah, it was it was, it was really cool to to be over there and to you know experience that culture and. Uh, play some of those teams and, and just kind of 
do the whole European hockey thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you um, reach out to get this coaching position, or did like someone reach out to you, or like was it? Yeah, they they, they they reached out to me, um, and you know they were uh, their previous coach had, had been there for three years. He was a Finnish guy. Uh, was moving back to Finland, um, and yeah, it was just kind of just kind of made sense, especially during you know we were still kind of unsure of what was going on with COVID, and mm-hmm. it was like you know might never get this chance again. So I yeah hopped Jumped on a plane and and, <laughs> and and was over there. So yeah, yeah. So most over COVID had some changes, some drastic changes for worse or for better. Yeah. Uh, you decided to just pack up and move to Europe and <laughs> you were successful. <laughs> Let me just read some of your accolades here. You went 27 and seven. That's just below 800 win percentage. Uh, you got uh, European women's hockey league bronze. You got the Euro silver cup, the Euro super cup silver, sorry. And the Austrian national championship. You won all those. Yeah. What was just the cream of the crop of those three? Um, Actually, the league bronze. Really? Um, uh, that was that was a big one. We um, was it know, not expected? Is that- um, not that it wasn't expected. Just that you know we we had lost some players to injury uh, late in the year. Um, had some players in the lineup that if you told me at the start of the year they were going to be you know playing for us in the most meaningful games of the year, uh, I would have been like shaking my head at that. Um, but they you know really came a long way. Really improved. Um, we lost in uh, the semis to uh, a really good team at, a, at a Budapest. Um, they had some some very good players, and we played them the best we played them all year. We lost three nothing, but the game was probably closer to a one a one goal game. Um, and then in the bronze medal game, we played a team that tried to avoid us by throwing some games late in the year, and. They did, and that probably put us in a tougher draw to, to face uh, KMH. Yeah. Um, but uh, then we got Mats in the bronze medal game, and we just gave it to them. Like, we were one of our best games of the year. We beat them 5-1. It wasn't close. Um, and so, like, the bronze medal actually felt really rewarding. So I'd probably say the bronze. Yeah. yeah. Well, props on you for saying the correct pronunciation of Budapest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real European guy here. So... The move to PEI. Well, first, I want to go back to, you first mentioned that you came here in 2019. Yeah. When you, when they had the Nationals before COVID. Now, I know you must, you've only been here for like a a weekend or like five days that week, but was it a good taste of Charlottetown initially? No? No. No. Okay. So tell us about that. The the people were great and the food was, was great. I remember that. But it was March. I mean, I just got to experience what it's like in August, so it's not really comparable, yeah. right? Um, it is two different islands. And so you were like first plane out of here right after nationals. Let's get out of here. Yeah, because it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to, right? So um, you know, when you lose game one, mm-hmm. you know you're automatically you're, you're automatically on that side, right? And we lost three two to Guelph. Um, we spotted them a two goal lead two minutes into the game. Tied it up. We were the better team the rest of the game. They got one late to make it 3-2, and we, we couldn't tie it up. But they didn't give up a goal the rest of the tournament, right? Um, and so I, some other people might disagree with me, but um, I personally think that was the gold medal game um, in a lot of ways. 
you know, and we we won our remaining two games uh, against uh, PI and U of T. Um, but you know, it you know, you know, when you when you think you have a chance and you think you're you're really in it and you like you really believe that that uh, you're going to repeat as national champions, uh, it's more like shock, and then you're kind of poopy pants for the rest of the week. Right. Uh, so, so did I take it all in? No. Uh, did I, you know, probably appreciate it for what it was—the whole national championship experience? No, I didn't. Um, so, I, I do know if I if I'm ever fortunate enough to get the chance again, I even if we lose the first game, I won't uh, I won't be like that. I'll I'll be um, I'll just take in the experience a little bit more. So, so, what other than that gave you a bad experience at Charlottetown the first time around? Just the weather? Or? No, 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 no. It was the. I mean, the things that the things that stood out to me were like the support for um, hosting, the support from um, you know the community, the athletic department. Just you know, it was just such a warm, friendly welcome. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, if you're if you're ready to win it and 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 you don't, you're you're not exactly usually in the in the best yeah. mood. So, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how it kind of comes full circle. Right? <laughs> yeah, so now yeah. you get to, you know, I got an opportunity to, you know, meet some of the people that are still involved in the athletic department back then, or that are, mm-hmm. you know, here now. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, so let's just fast forward to summer of twenty twenty two. You're announced as the head coach. I'm pretty sure in June. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the re- first reaction when they reached out to you? So, so I mean, I I was a little. Wasn't caught off guard. Like I was, like I, I thought I did fairly well in the interview process, and uh, I was, I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy to get the job. Um, just, only... just curious. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. How many people did they tell you? Like, you know, it's Daddy, you, and three others, or no? I have no idea. I haven't asked. It's not really, you know. Yeah. You know, fair whether enough. whether there was one other person applied or a hundred, you know, it doesn't really, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So they, you know, it was just this job and the Carlton job that. They came up this year, um, you know, and you know, I think this is a fantastic situation for me. Yeah, like Carlton was certainly a lot closer to home, uh, but you know, it's a, that's a that's a big city. I'm not really from the big city. I'm from you know smaller agricultural communities. Uh, so uh, you know, Charlottetown, PI, just felt like home. Felt felt like more yeah. my yeah, my style. I mean, you moved a lot closer to home in general, so. It's true. It's a lot family, closer than family yeah, could right? be happy, yeah. but that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just to piggyback off of agriculture here, I did a little research on your hometown of Sterling, Ontario. Okay. You spent ages what? Zero to, to 14? 14. Yeah. 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 So TripAdvisor says the top five things to do in Sterling, Ontario. <laughs> Ooh. The top three are farms to visit, different types of farms. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is a conservation center, which is just a government farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then a theater. So Yeah, the theater is fantastic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's this, it's this cute little... It's I mean, like an actual, like, people theater, like where you yeah, have yeah. theater, like... Yeah, what theater yeah, like, is the like people theater? like 100 seats, maybe? Well, like, I mean, like, actual plays, not just oh, okay. we're like movie theater. Movie theater, theater, yeah, yeah. theater. Yeah, no, 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 it would be, yeah, like, theater performing theater. arts. Theater, yeah. Yeah. theater yeah. with the E at the end. Yeah. yeah. people yeah. theater. Yeah. 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 people yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and I wonder what the top three farms are. Uh, like, am I... Uh, some, I, I think it was, family, I, I think it was a honey farm, uh, lavender type. Okay. Thing. Yeah, and then just 
a farm. <laughs> like like a true farm. Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, you're that, that correct? Those top five. Um, I mean the you know Sterling Rink. Uh, you know that I, I would put that on the list. There's a lot, that, lot that, of great memories there. That might have so. been, but when I saw four farms, well, four yeah. technical farms yeah. <laughs> on the top five, I, I just got really excited that you're coming to PEI where it's potatoes. Yeah. And, and lobster. What's the population <laughs> of your hometown? Like 1,200 people, maybe? Wow. 1,500 well, people? That's I, the population of my hometown. I, I have Sterling's population in 2016 as 4,882. Oh, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that'll get that's interesting. Got, that's got to be counting like, like <laughs> Springbrook <laughs> and Madoc and like, we're really stretching now. Oh, okay, well, greater yeah. Sterling's population. Greater Sterling's population. <laughs> Yeah. So this is going to be really fun later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, go back to UPEI. You get here in June, uh, you get the job. Now, tell us from June to about September 12th, 2022. Um, well, I worked remotely until August 1st. So, uh, it was just like Zoom meetings with players, um, admin, travel, uh, a little bit of recruiting stuff, um, lots of planning, planning. Um, yeah, that was kind of my focus through June and July. Uh, made one trip out here in July and just kind of a house hunting trip and got to meet some people then. But, uh, yeah, since August 1st, it's been just kind of a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much has Bruce Donaldson been help trying to transition into the role as He's been great. I mean, I like, I go and like bug him every day just about like little things like, I went like today and I was like, who do I talk to to get more helmet stickers? And like things like that, right? <laughs> There's like little questions that like, if he wasn't here, I could still probably find the answer, but uh, it just yeah, makes it so much easier. So much easier. He's just a wealth of knowledge. You know, he's 16 years as a head coach here. So he knows everyone. He's got great connections to the alumni. You know, I have some thoughts on, you know, how we want to engage the alumni moving forward. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a key ally there. And yeah, he's just been, he's been awesome. So you're about a week, a week and a half into a training camp, just over a week? Yeah, a week and a half, yeah. And how are you feeling so far, and what kind of expectations do you have for the season going into your first year at UPI? Mm, uh, I don't know if I have like any expectations necessarily on on like results-wise. Like I don't know if I have like a number in my head uh, there. Um, but I would say that, you know, the group's going to be high performance. We're going to drive culture forward, you know, in in the way that it's been going. But you know, that's a big that's a big thing for me: culture and high performance. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know, the group's biting that off, and they're taking that on, and uh, that's what I want to be a part of. And that's you know, I'm not I'm not willing to not be part of that. You know, that it has to be that way for me. Uh, and the group's kind of buying into that right now. So we'll make strides in those areas, and hopefully, the byproduct is. Yeah, you win that's what it seems like it is with hockey on PEI. It's building a culture, kind of a mindset when you're playing for a team on PEI. A mindset that makes, like, a culture that makes people who don't play on the island or aren't from here, when they come here, they want to keep coming back here in years after they're done playing here. And they love, like, just being here and playing here in general and wearing the jersey. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so, go ahead. So, you gave the good news to... Three walk-ons today. Not today, sorry. Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you find after a disappointing season last year for UPEI? What do you find is the key, whether it be rookies, walk-ons, 
veteran presence is the key for this year? Ooh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> is it a combination of both? It's, it, 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 it's a combination of all of them, but you know, you know, the leadership piece is is really important, and it's not just going to come from just a few few athletes. It's going to come from everyone. Mm-hmm. Like making leadership important to everyone, making leadership everyone's business is um, is really important to me. It'll be really important for the group. Um, you know, we're not as we're. We're young in, in a lot of ways. Like we're, we're still a, really younger, young, yeah. a young roster, um, which which is exciting. It means there's lots of lots of room to grow here with this group and this core. Um, but it'll be you know it'll be it'll be a test you know especially on the back end and we're young back there. Yeah, right? and so that leads into my next question. Um, probably my toughest question of the night. Sure. You lose Joe Lena Gillard. Uh-huh. You've lost four. Of your top six from last year, I know you didn't coach them, but so what kind of strategy is it coming into this year where basically it's a whole new group on defense, uh-huh. you're losing an all-Canadian second-team all-star player with yeah. a lot of production from last year for the UPI Panthers. Sure. So what, what kind of production, where are you looking to get the production from this year? We're deep up front, right? We'll have we'll have sixteen forwards, and you know I think you know all can contribute, but uh, we're we're pretty deep there. I'm actually you know that's I'm I'm pretty happy with that group, and I'm, and and not that I'm not happy with with the back end, uh, but you know like you said, that's a young group there. Mm-hmm. Um, so expecting some growth you know, setbacks, like we're just gonna get better at hockey. Like mm-hmm. that's that 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 group there is. They know they have to, and they will. Uh, they'll get better through experience and playing time and roles and minutes and what they're being asked to bite off and take on. Um, you know, we'll just have to put our we'll have to put the big girl pants on and yes. and and get it done. You know, it's it's uh, it'll be baptism by fire for uh, for some of them, but uh, you know, I think that's what they want. That's what they're chomping at the bit to to take on after you know a lot of them you know. Was a big roster last year. So mm-hmm. there was a lot in the they were they were in the stands and didn't take those roles last year. But yeah, and I forgot one other player that I completely forgot about. I'm sorry about, but uh, Camille Sugar, the goalie, yeah. also gone. Yeah. So like, the goalie's also an open, like, different role this year or different spot. So, are you expecting big things out of your goalies this year? Or? Well, they're all three of them are very capable. Um, so you know what that exactly is going to look like. Um, you know, I think in 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 some past years, there you know, Shug's uh, you know she carried Kinda the bulk load yeah. uh, of the work. Um, I don't see that quite happening here. I think they'll be you know, especially the way Tandem we in in maybe yeah yeah it'll be it'll kind of just kind of depend on how it all shakes out. You know, we we start with a uh, really tough schedule. We start with four and eight days, uh, so uh, we'll That's we'll, see where, we'll see yeah. where we're standing after the first eight days. So know. if there was a goal for this year. Uh, I know that they got put out in the first round of the playoffs last year. I know it was a COVID thing where it was only a one-game playoff, where mm-hmm. in previous years it would be a three- or five-game playoff series. So is there a goal going into this season? I would imagine maybe there is. but Well, I mean, we're going to do some, some team goal setting here over the next over the next couple of weeks about, you know, if you want to you know, put some things down on paper as to you know, what we're – trying to accomplish what our purpose here is. We started, you know, some 
some shared values exercises and you know, some you know some shared shared beliefs and and a, you know a common mission statement that we need to kind of drive forward for for the group and and you know we'll set some we'll set some goals coming out of that once we've kind of established some of those things um, but you know from my point of view I mean I'm, I want to I want to be playing after after February 12th right I want to yeah. I want to be I want to be playing meaningful hockey uh, and, and, and make the playoffs and and you know I think I think the group certainly you know can do that and you know we're pretty pretty deep up front right um, and you know we have players in the back end that are talented and are, are eager to prove themselves both both in net and and on the blue line so yeah I think we'll be competitive with with every program in the U.S. I really do uh, yeah so as you saw in Ryan Graves' interview last week on episode one. We're introducing a lightning round, a quick five questions, no hard balls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, uh, so you spent some time in Sudbury. Yes. So you've had some time to get through the tourist season there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say. Sure. So. <laughs> tourist <laughs> season? <laughs> well, <laughs> you've seen the attractions. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bigger here than there. Yeah. Big Nickel or the uh, Bell Park Boardwalk? It's uh, big nickel. Big nickel. Yeah. Any reason why? You just you just gotta see it. Yeah. It. It's a big yeah. piece of silver though. It's a big piece of silver. <laughs> yeah. Big nickel. Okay. Well, big nickel fan, and uh, I'm a nickel back fan, so I'll be with you there. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. In the coaching style, are you a metaphors guy when trying to get a point across, or are you just straight to the point? Let's just get this done. Uh, I like the analogies. I like comparing yeah. to other sports, to life, to yeah. things like that. You know, automobiles. Football, um, history, anything like that. I, I, I like the analogies. Do you have a go-to metaphor? Yeah, uh, like the the maintenance on your car, right? Rarely okay. you find yourself broken down on the side of the road if you're getting your oil changed regularly, your tires rotated, things like that. You gotta take care of the take care of the body, take care of the mind, take care of the soul. You know, you don't find yourself broken down so often. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's right. good. Regular well said. Yeah. Well, Northern Ontario guy. You gotta know Letterkenny and Shorzy. Yeah. So which one of the two are you watching? Um, I like them both. Uh, I'll say Shorzy. It's the yeah. hockey piece and like yeah. like all those places. I mean, like I like I eat chicken wings at you know uh, at the doghouse, right? And and you know played in Sudbury Arena and like things like that. So it all feels really familiar. Were you in the No Show? No. Anyway. This is a trick question because I gave you a hint earlier, but what has a bigger population? Greater Sterling, which we talked about, or University of Prince Edward Island? Oh, UPI is like triple the size. Uh, you think <laughs> has so? To be. You think so? Well, probably hold well, all that population in that new dorm building they're building. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What yeah. is it? You'd be wrong. wrong. Sterling, Greater Sterling has a bigger population of 565. That's the difference. Greater Sterling's population, 4,882. UPEI's population, 4,317. Is that this year? Yeah. That was 2016. That was that, the last number. No, yeah, there's no way that UPEI's that little right now. I think that there's yeah. over 5,000 kids here. Yeah, you may be right. I, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure on that. Like, we'll wait till the numbers are in. Yeah. 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 Five years. <laughs> they definitely got we'll, we'll update <laughs> And Anyway, here's the final lightning round question. The prairies or the east coast? East coast. Oh, east coast. Yeah. All day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just the lobster and the potatoes too good down here? In the Gulf. 
and the, the gum beaches, beaches yeah. and the weather. Yeah. But you haven't you haven't been here for winter yet, so. That's true. Yeah. But, but, but I, I've been winter there. Trust me. Like I mean, how much worse going to be? So I got. Oh, oh, oh. You, you wait. <laughs> I got two for you. Here. What's your handicap? Uh, I play at like a ten or eleven. I, 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 I take you on there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. What's, what's your favorite course played here so far? Brunel. Brunel is beautiful. So uh, the 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 thing that I, I want to go back and play again, where I like actually have the guts to when the wind is blowing, hit it out over the beach and let the wind bring it back on like eleven. Oh, the pair three there, number five, four. four, four, yeah. yeah. Like those holes are just like, yeah. You, know, you have to play it once to kind of. It's a tough narrow course too. Like if you're not if you're if you got a slice or a draw there, you, there's a few holes you can get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. No, oh, and uh, you got your snow tires picked out, yes. No, I'll have to, I'll have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna want to look for the studded ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. studded ones. Lastly, before we let you go, um, you mentioned before you came on, huge football fan. Mm-hmm. So I know you said your favorite team's Miami Dolphins. They beat my New England Patriots. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's week mm-hmm. one. We're in Miami. We've lost oh, last no. seven out of ten. It's true. Or eight out of ten. Sorry. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that Tua is four and zero against Bill Belichick? Wow. T- Disney tied most all time now. It's, for I think I think that's the most. I think it's Elway is three and zero against them. Jeez. Two Broncos QBs. Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to look this up right after. Elway. Somebody else. Elway. This is old. I forget. But yeah, no, it's there's, a, there's a second Broncos QB. It's there. gonna be four and one. It's gonna be four and one. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to have you back on and do that again. Until they go 0-2 yeah. next week against the Steelers. Don't even worry about that. Who said that? But <laughs> point of the question is, who's your favorite football player of all time? And who would you like look to? I know you said metaphors. Who would you look to to get a quote from? Oh, I'm a coach. I have to like. I have to go. Like I have to go Belichick. Like, I have to. Yeah. Like I'm like 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 I know he's there you go. A, he's he's a Miami guy, obviously, but you know I just. So you must not smile <laughs> much then, do you? What's that? You don't, you don't smile very much then, do you? No, I just, I just, I mean, like, Belichick sound bites are the best. They yeah. just are. They yeah. just are. Oh. And just, you know, like, you get such little, he's such a private guy, and you get such little snippets into, like, what he's about and all that, that, like, you're just kind of soaking it up, right? Anytime you, you see him, you know, any anytime he gets behind a mic or, you know, you get an insight into what he does, now, Belichick, yeah. I, I have to say, like, that's a great, great one to pick, but... I don't think you he gives. Players? I don't think he gives many. You can give a player too, but I don't think he gives many like great quotes that we hear about. Like there's not a lot of color yeah. outside of the field. Like right. so, so if you're looking for a quote, or if your favorite, well, Marshawn Lynch, ask for your favorite player as well. <laughs> like Randy Moss was, he was super fun to watch. Had some great sound bites. Randy Moss would be a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go Randy Moss. Okay. Yeah. And if you're looking for a quote, who are you getting it from? NFL player? A- anyone, like sports player? Anyone. Um, Someone like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't know, that's a tough one. Like, it's cheesy if I say McDaniels, but like he's awesome with the press, yeah, right? He is, yes. he is insanely great but, with the press. Uh, I don't. I don't know, honestly. If I if it was one person um, in the sports world uh, to grab a quote from, again, my my head always goes coach, right? Uh, Buzz Williams, Texas uh, Texas A and M, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. basketball. He'd be a great one. Um, Brian Gable in in Buffalo would be a great one. 
Yeah. Uh, like him. See those dance moves after the week when we're in New York? Exactly. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Gruden, for all his, you know, faults, and he's, you know, far from perfect, but Colt Machine, John Gruden. Yeah. Right. Would be a good one. See, I'm just listening to coaches. Right? (laughs) I told you, it's hard for, it's... It's a coach's mentality. So we'd like to wish you all the best of luck this season. Um, you're starting your new chapter with the UPI Panthers, and we hope to have you back on at some point during the season. I say a challenge just because it's first year coaching, a new team, all, all the technical bugs, all the chemistry bugs, like just getting self worked out. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you guys are doing gonna do great this year, and I hope the best. Yeah, I hope so too. As yeah. always. Go check out Hunter's Corner. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as you're listening or watching to us now. Uh, but check out Waterboys underscore media on Instagram. That's where all the live scores and updates are going to be. We're your island's TSN. I don't know if we can even say that <laughs> due to copyright issues, but we are. <laughs> check us out also on Instagram at Officials Waterboys Podcast. And then on Twitter at The Waterboys Pod. And then on Facebook. We're everywhere. Where we Everywhere. might have a soundbite from this guy later on in the season. Michael Mike for a game. <laughs> oh, yes. Mike uh, Mike for a game, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. I've dialed back the F-bomb, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Grant, why don't you send these guys out? As always.